So I'm going to say it's a pretty nostalgic uh, to be back in this building to worship. Um, I have great memories from when our family first started coming to church here in this very room. Uh, it was way back in the 1900s. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, <laughs> a lot of good memories. And uh, I also remember being in a lot of uh, children's musicals, especially around Christmas time. Uh, one year, I remember being the Christmas star. That was my role, the Christmas star over the baby Jesus, and uh, I like to think I was the star in lots of the musicals, but that one, I was literally the star, so um, a lot of good memories, but it, it's, it's great being back in here, and we look forward to uh, next month being in our new, newly renovated uh, sanctuary. Um, uh, in addition to all the other things going on here at the church, we're very excited for all of that. Um, as many of you know, uh, Daryl is out this weekend. Um, I didn't find out that I was going to be speaking today until Friday evening, and I had uh, basketball games all weekend, so not a ton of time to prepare a message, but uh, the good news is um, we serve an amazing God who is fully capable of taking some last-minute plans and using it for His glory. So um, that is my, my prayer this morning, and I know that if we let Him, uh, God will speak in this place this morning. Um, we are definitely uh, fully into the Christmas season now. Nobody can say that it's too early anymore. We are actually there. And uh, last week, Daryl started a uh, sermon series called The Word Became Flesh. And if you really think about it, it really is amazing to know that through Jesus, the Word has always existed. The Word of God himself took on human form and became flesh, which literally means he wrapped himself in human skin. He wrapped himself in human form. So Christmas season, we talk about gifts. He wrapped himself up in human form for us. And it says in John 1, we read how the Word has always existed. It says the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then on down into verse 14, the Word himself then came to this earth and became flesh. Um, a question this morning is, have you ever really uh, maybe around Christmas time you do sometimes, but ha have you ever really reflected on the fact that Jesus came to this earth as a baby when he didn't have to? Um, he was in heaven already. He was, uh, you know, could have come to this earth as a fully grown man, just ready to be worshipped, ready to be king. But he became a baby. Now, I don't know if it was the eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus that Ricky Bobby prayed about in that movie. Um, but he came as a baby, and he, he did that. Um, it's just incredible to, to think about how he came in the most humble of ways and to live a full life so he could fully relate to us and go through everything that we go through. And um, it's just an incredible truth to think about. There's also a truth that I learned a long time ago that has really stuck with me. Religion says to work your way up to God. The Christmas story teaches God has worked his way down to us. Uh, just about every world religion that you learn about, um, there's, there's things that they talk about how, you know, things that you need to do in order to earn God's love and in order to earn your salvation. There are some people that even believe Christianity falls into that. They falsely believe that Christianity is about rules and, you know, do this and don't do that and stay away from this and here's your 12-step plan of, um, you know, how to find favor with God. But that's not what the Bible actually teaches. We learn through Christmas, Jesus came down to us, lived a full life, being tempted in every way and beyond what our temptations are, and then taking on unimaginable pain and death and suffering, um, again, all for us. In which, if you think about that, that begs the question, if I 
needed to check off a bunch of boxes to be saved or to be loved by God, why did the Word become flesh? Why did Jesus die a brutal death on a cross if there were things that I could do? He could have stayed in heaven and I could have just done my, you know, the, the different boxes to check off to be saved if that's what it took. Um, but he did all of it as the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me because we can never do I love what Erwin McManus said about this. He said, Jesus did not simply come to this earth to ensure that we understand God. He came so that we would know God understands us. And one Christmas Eve, I can't remember the year, the year before, um, as a staff, we talked about the, uh, the carol, the, the old Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells. Um, I think it's an incredible story. It's worth repeating. Probably my favorite old Christmas song. And the story goes like this. It was uh, the year 1860. This man by the name of Longfellow, he was a poet. He was very successful. Abraham Lincoln had just been elected president, giving hope to many in the nation. But things uh, soon turned dark uh, for the country um, and for him personally. The Civil War began the following year. Longfellow's wife died of severe burns. He himself suffered severe burns in a fire, was une- not even able to attend her funeral. And for Christmas, on Christmas Day, 1861, he wrote in his journal, how inexpressibly sad are the holidays. Then in 1862, civil war is escalating, death toll was mounting. Um, in his diary that year, in Chris- on Christmas, he wrote, a Merry Christmas I say to the children, but that is no more for me. 1863, Longfellow's son had run away to join the Union Army, was severely wounded. Um, for Christmas Day that year, Longfellow, he, he wanted to pull out of his despair. He wanted to find some kind of hope. And one thing that he relied on was the fact that every Christmas, no matter how dark things got, he still heard the carols playing. He still felt the, the hope and joy of Christmas. And you can tell in that song how it kind of goes back and forth of hope and then the world is dark and hope, the world is dark. He starts it off by saying, and he wrote this in his journal, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then he came to another stanza in the song. He was stopped by this thought of his country. Um, the, the Battle of Gettysburg had just happened not too long before. Days looked dark. Um, he was asking himself this question, how can I write about peace on earth, goodwill to men in this war-torn country where brother fights against brother and father against son. But he kept writing, he kept going. Here's what he wrote next. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then things really clicked as he continued to hear the songs play and he had this eternal perspective. And that's where he wrote the words, then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so that story, the story behind the song, is one reason why it's one of my favorites. And uh, I, I think back to that time period of what he was writing about, just imagining the Civil War nation fighting against itself. Yet again, on Christmas, the songs still played, the joy filled the air. And then I relate it to today's um, Obviously today, a lot of negatives, a lot of pain, um, a lot of fighting, a lot of division. And at times, we can all admit it's hard to understand, you know, even think about peace among men with everything that's going on. Um, But through all of it, 
God is not dead. He is alive and well. Um, there is still peace on earth um, for all of us who call in his name, and, and one day there will be a final peace that only Jesus can bring. And so my hope is um, that we have this feeling of, you know, that song and this season should give us hope, no matter how dark the world around us is, no matter how dark maybe you yourself, things that you're going through personally, um, there is a light um, that we live for. There's a peace that we live for, um, a peace that passes all understanding, a light that only he can give. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And if you look even more at that uh, John 1 passage, I'm going to read from John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then here's the part about light. It says, In him was life, and that light, or that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So his life was and is the light of all mankind. The darkness cannot overcome it. And something I find amazing is uh, Jesus called himself the light of the world. And, and for that, we're like, absolutely, he's the light of the world. But then on the Sermon on the Mount, he looks at his followers and says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And he said, you are, if you're the light of the world, you know, don't hide your light, let it shine so people will, will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so that's another chance uh, this Christmas and beyond. You know, let's remember that we are also the light of the world. We have the best news in the world to share. And let us also realize that a little bit of light can go a really long way. Uh, maybe you can think of some examples yourself. I know for me, I, I think back to one of the, the nights in our college dorm. I went to Lincoln Christian University. Um, near our dorm, there was this uh, door that was never open. It was always locked. We never knew what was in there. We're like, is it just a closet? Is it a basement? Is it go to an alec, attic, alec, attic or something? I don't know. Um, and so one day, I think it was my second or third year there, the door was open, so we're going to go exploring. Um, but it was pitch black. We couldn't see anything. We felt like, you know, we're just kind of feeling around. Didn't have the flashlights on the phones. Somebody went back to their dorm, and they got one of those real small, skinny, uh, like, keychain flashlights, like, super small. But, like, let's see if this works. And we go in. That little bit of light, it lights up. I mean, I can't even tell you. It was like, it was like a Narnia door. Like, we open it, and, oh, my goodness. All this stuff, we're exploring. We're like, people have been down here. They, they rode on it, and it's, it was one of the highlights of that year. We just remember, like, remember that night that door was open and we went down there? And, but it, it reminds me, honestly, of just this little bitty, you know, keychain flashlight. Pitch, you know, goes from pitch black to we can see just about everything. I mean, as you walk up to it. Um, how many of you will admit to sleeping with a nightlight when you go to sleep? Oh, come on now, come on. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a nightlight. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not afraid of the dark, but I do not like waking up to pitch black. I like to at least have the alarm clock light or something where I kind of know where I am. Um, but for a lot of people, even that little bit of light, it, it brings a whole lot of peace. Because, um, again, a little bit of light can go a long way. Um, think of maybe you're in a, um, out in the country or you're even uh, out on a, a street, like one street light, the difference that it makes, one street light. So, again, this Christmas, let's think about the difference we can bring as being the light of the world 
Um, we might be outnumbered. We might be going up against a lot of uh, darkness and, and evil and, and worldly things, but a little bit of light can go a really, really long way. And again, we have the best news in the world. Um, I, I want us to also consider something today. When you get bad news of any kind, you hope it isn't true, right? You, you hear this news and it's not good and you're like, man, I just, I hope there's another way. I hope that's not true. Maybe it's a doctor diagnosis. Maybe it's uh, something comes up and you, um, there's an estimate for how much money you owe or there's uh, a rumor going around about someone or something and you're just like, I just, that's not good news. I hope it's not true. The question is, in today's world, why do so many people want the good news of Jesus to not be true? Have you ever thought about that? Like, if it's, if it's good news and supposed to be good news for all people, why are there so many people in the world today that are like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that to be true. Um, the way Andy Stanley puts it is this, like this. He said, if it's not good news for everyone, the original news is not being shared. The original news of Jesus should be good news for all people everywhere. And he talks about how we have, in many ways, we've uh, Americanized the gospel, or we've politicized the gospel, we've prosperitized the gospel, if that's even a word. Um, we've, we've changed the message, and so there's some people that feel like, that's not for me, or um, it doesn't include me, and, uh, and that's, that's not a good thing, obviously. It's supposed to be good news for all people everywhere. It is not limited. It is not conditional. Um, it should be good news for every tribe, tongue, and nation. And if someone, if anyone, hears the message of Jesus and they're turned off by it, or if it doesn't sound like good news to them, the true message may be getting lost somewhere. And we've got to get back to the true good news of Jesus. Uh, this Christmas and beyond. He came to this earth. The word became flesh because you and I and everybody else, every one of us falls short of the perfection of God. So he came and died in our place so that you and I could live forever. The light of the world came to this dark place to give us hope, peace, and a future. And it is not about us working our way up and trying to earn our way to him. It's about him coming down to us. One final story I want to share. This is one I share every Christmas with our uh, youth group and in conversation. Um, it's a story from Luke 10, and it's actually not... It really has nothing to do with a Christmas story, but to me, when I read it, I really, it helps me think of the Christmas season. Hopefully, you'll see the connection there as well. But the story is about Mary and Martha, Luke 10. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. They came to a village. There's a woman named Mary, or Martha, excuse me, that opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, and her sister sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work to myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I remember years ago when I read that, and it, I think it was around Christmas season, I was like, that is, that is perfect analogy for the Christmas season. And if you think about the, the first part of that story, I want you to imagine real quick that you're having a guest come over and he happens to be the son of God. How many of you would freak out? Some of you are like, man, when the paper boy comes to our porch, I got to make sure everything, you know, <laughs> I'm definitely not that way, right? I'm not that way. But anyway, uh, 
the Son of God's coming over. It's a pretty big deal. I got to make sure it's clean. The food's got to be perfect. Like, we got to make sure everything is good. That's what Martha was doing. In fact, even when Jesus came in, into the house, she was still that way. I got to make sure everything's right. Mary fell at his feet and worshiped. And he said, she's chosen what is right. You're worried about all these other things. Fall at my feet and worship. And this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to be more like Mary of this story, less like Martha, um, not to be so caught up in the traditions and gifts and craziness of Christmas. Um, do the thing that we were called to do and fall at his feet and worship. All those other things are, are great, but fall at his feet and worship. He's the light of the world, the, the word that became flesh. He's the good news, and in a the messed up, dark world that we live in, he's our hope. He's our peace. He is all 